0: Welcome to The Cutting Floor on the River's Edge Church Podcast, where each week we explore sermon topics that don't make it to the pulpit on Sunday. We hope that you will find this beneficial, and as always, encourage you to like and follow. Welcome back to the newest season of The Cutting Floor. Uh, This podcast was... Designed to introduce some of the information that doesn't always make it into the uh, actual sermon, and we have been preaching through Exodus most of the summer, and I could have really (laughs) benefited from this podcast, and I believe some of the uh, audience listeners could have benefited as well, but... We know that we live in certain seasons in our life And right now the season that my family is in We have small children who are home during the summer And so we spend a lot of time with them And doing ministry together And and just enjoying each other's company But as we get back into the fall And as we close out our uh, Series on Exodus I did want to do a quick Podcast uh, Just to cover some of the topics Some of the most intriguing uh, topics um, And Lay some groundwork for what's going to come In our continued return to Exodus So um, we're going to start with that Uh, So what we've started with with Exodus Is we're going to end up finishing the first four chapters Um, And Exodus is one of those interesting books Because in the eye of the normal I would say western Christian. Uh, Exodus is just another book in the Bible. It's just one of many. There's lots of cool stories. We've heard most of those stories if we've been to church a good bit. Um, and there are some fantastical things. And maybe perhaps some of the most uh, well-told or repeated stories are in there, such as the splitting of the Red Sea, um, You know, uh, the, the wandering in the desert for 40 years, the 10 plagues, uh, the 10 commandments. So there's a lot of these big large stories that loom in exodus but oftentimes the large stories get lost in their meaning because we hear them and become so familiar with the way they look in our western view and so it's really important to go back and look at them um and and i'll do my best to try to do that but i would hopefully be able to encourage you to continue researching it on your own and finding more resources and exploring resources that'll help you do that um, so we're just going to start with a couple of primary topics first um, You know, the beginning of Exodus starts off with a continuation of the story of Joseph And within that, there's some key markers that I think are really interesting um, uh, And we have not explored them in the sermons yet And I will touch on them a touch this week So this will go really well with our sermon come Sunday. Um, But one of the things that's really interesting is is, uh, the beginning of the story starts out with where there was the Israelite people um, are flourishing in Egypt and a new pharaoh comes on the scene who is unfamiliar with Joseph and his leadership role and all he had done for, for the Egyptian culture. And so he takes it upon himself to enslave the Israelite people. And doing so... He begins to bring oppression about on them, um, and he is worried and scared about the ever-growing size of this Jewish-Israelite population. Now, here's a couple of things that are super important to know, and they're all cultural. And it's more the Egyptian culture, because that's the culture we're stepping into. This is no longer... (laughs) the israelite culture it's 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 a very specific culture um if you were to go to egypt and there's actually some really good series on this um that i'll i'll try to tag the youtube playlist on it um if you were to go to some of the great pyramids in fact there's one to amen ra uh, and, and it, they are spectacular and um these temples that were built there. Are just magnificent and huge And for many of us We get stuck in this idea of like Man, how'd they build that? But because stories were told In a very pictorial, visual way um, The Jewish mindset and, And really the Near Ancient East mindset So that's Egypt But it's also all through the Canaan lands Midian, all of that They would have been much more intrigued by why did you do this? So there has to be an understanding here. Um, the way that the Egyptian belief system was set up was that they were there were gods, and that there were these gods were the gods that essentially were in charge of all the things, including the rising of the sun, the earth, all the things of nature. Nature itself essentially was controlled by the various gods and the demonstration of the temples was this visual explanation this visual representation of within the doors of the temple there is shalom in the sense of a Jewish word but the word there really would be there is control there is order and everything outside of that is chaos and the mediator between the two is the pharaoh now, there are thousands of temples all throughout Egypt. And surely Pharaoh could not do all of the priestly services to placate the gods. And that's why there were priests who were sent there on behalf of Pharaoh. But all things, that, especially those that went well, <laughs> were attributed to the doing of the priestly rites and the pleasing of the gods by Pharaoh. Um, even to the point where Pharaoh is lifted up in such a way as a deity. So that helps us understand that when Pharaoh looks at the Israelite people and he sees they are growing and they're prospering, he takes it upon himself to do his duty to control them, to to bring them under his control. Um, And you can see how that would be an issue, especially because he's claiming to be a god. Here's the connection point. Pharaoh is claiming to be a god and to control the people whom Yahweh, the god of these people, has already claimed. And you can see how that's an issue really quickly. Um, This is of going to be, Exodus will eventually be laid out as, a confrontation of gods, if you will. It'll be the man-god Pharaoh, whom is not even named That's how little he is considered in God's word. And Yahweh, the I am, the I was, I am, and I will be, if you will. And so there is some very interesting conflict here, and it helps us understand the the gravity of the story right away. Um, So that's what we're kind of starting off with as we're seeing this. Pharaoh is led to begin taking things into his own hands in the sense that he actually begins to... Um, call for the murder Of all the baby children in Hebrew And this is that famous story For those who are familiar Of Moses Being born and no longer Being able to be hidden by his mother Is placed in a basket And this basket, we talked about this in our sermon But this basket is actually Named after the same thing That we see the boat in Noah's story It's called an ark um, It's a very specific word And um, And it's it's obviously it's drawing some connotations there between the two. How Noah was, uh, you know, uh, in in the eyes of the Lord, Noah walked with the Lord. There was something about Moses that reflected God properly. That God had you know um, placed something good on. In fact, we talked about the idea that Moses is actually called Tove, mimicking the word um, that we see in the creation story. So there's a lot of these. Hyperlinks Back and forth Between the previous stories In Genesis And the Moses story One of the interesting things That we will see throughout Moses' life Is something that happens almost immediately So Moses is placed in this ark And he is placed in the Nile And Whether it was the scheming Of Moses' family Or the um, The absolute divine appointment by God Pharaoh's daughter happens upon this baby in a basket and she draws him too and there's something that even I overlooked at the time but when she draws him too she goes oh it must be one of those Hebrew babies now it's funny so in the original Moses movie with Charleston Heston which Charles Heston which most of us uh, under 40 probably have not seen and everybody above 40 probably did see it was a very important movie She recognizes this baby by the blanket that he's wearing, which is not biblical. It's funny. Uh, It's certainly theatrical, but it's not biblical. There is one way, though, that you would immediately be able to tell a baby as being an Israelite. Something very unique. Some of you may have picked this up. Maybe not. But every child, every male born into Abraham's lineage, so the Israelites, were to um, be circumcised by the eighth day. It was a command that god had given abraham it had been passed on and it is the only way that you would be able to tell a, a baby from a from the exact same area as the egyptians from a you know similar family line as the egyptians why he would not look why he would be so distinctly noticeably hebrew and we notice this too because it continues forth because from that day on moses is raised as an egyptian in fact the Bible, uh, Some of the writings of later Jewish teachers like Josephus even imply or directly say that Moses was in line to be Pharaoh. But here's the thing. Several times a day, Moses would recognize and be reminded that he is not an Egyptian, but he is, in fact, an Israelite. Um, every time that he would see that, he would be reminded of that, of... Of what he actually is And this this helps us understand a little bit about His relationship with those people Because There's a identity crisis that is going to begin to happen And Moses will struggle with this For the rest of his adult life Up until And possibly th- Even through the wilderness Moses is going to be extremely conflicted Because he's going to be raised as an Egyptian, he's going to speak Egyptian, and he is going to be treated as an Egyptian. He is going to have the things that Egyptians have, especially Egyptian royalty, including Hebrew slaves. And so he's going to wrestle with this identity. What's interesting is, Moses gets older, this will come to the forefront, and Including this week, actually, we're getting into a very interesting passage in Exodus 4 um, where the, the circumcision is again brought to the forefront of its importance and its, and its call to obedience and its conti- need for continuation as a part of identifying God's people and setting them apart, um, and so I don't want to ruin this week's sermon So, <laughs> with, with giving away all the secrets, so we'll talk about that maybe some next week. Um, but there's going to be this continuation of identity crisis. Um, Moses is eventually going to make some mistakes, and he is going to simply take God's calling, which in, in this case may even be just his compassion for the people, for his people, into his own hands, and Moses begins actually Ends up murdering someone and goes on the run. And when he goes on the run, he goes into a new land, a land called Midian. Midians in the middle of the, of the wilderness. Um, he meets um, he meets several women who are under duress because they're being attacked. And he uh, this time he responds appropriately. At least the Bible leads us to believe so. Um, he acts in a righteous way instead of an unrighteous way, and he is rewarded by. Um, by God, by and through his father-in-law or eventual father-in-law who will give him a wife um, and Sephora and he will she will birth him sons. And then Moses will spend the remaining 40 years or the, the next 40 years as a shepherd. Um, and, and again, here's a man with mixed identity. He was raised as a royalty and now he's a fugitive. He was born into the Israelites, but now... But was raised as an Egyptian and now lives as a Midian. Again, a whole different culture. They're not the same. They're not interchangeable. Um, they all have their different beliefs, different traditions. Um, and yet, God is going to, in the, in the midst of Moses' identity, implant himself in there. And it's interesting because as we look through uh, Exodus 3, where God... Ex- Reveals himself to Moses through the burning bush Moses asks a couple of questions And the very first one is Who are you? Uh, and and this is really interesting Because <laughs> There's a part Of this story Where it's We don't have the full understanding Of exactly how much Moses understood About his Israelite upbringing Because Moses is Father uh, And I wish I had his name in front of me I'll, I'll have to maybe add it later But Moses' father name essentially means Glory to Yah Which is glory to God <laughs> That's his father's name um, And It's a very traditional Jewish name um, Very traditional is- Israelite name And yet here is Moses Having no idea Or at least claiming not to know who this glorious being is in front of him. Now, a lot of that could have to do with the fact that Moses was not raised as an Israelite. And We find some other clues to that in his argument in a moment. The next thing, though, is that Moses' immediate question after asking who God is, and God responding is, I am the I am. I am the God of Jacob, and I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Abraham. is Moses asks, well, who am I? And we actually, we spent a large amount of time talking about how those words break down. So, um, when Moses first enters into God's presence, and he hears God call his name, he responds with a phrase, Hanini. And Hanini is the same phrase that is used in two other places in the Bible. One of them is when God is calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And the other is when Samuel is being called by God into the temple um, to be a priest and a prophet. Now, that's not accidental. We we talk about these words bearing power. And we talked about, we spent a lot of time talking about this idea that um, God's presence, we are all eager for. We are all eager to be in his presence. But, We want his presence without the cost. And if God calls you into his presence, he's also going to call and and, and you call you walk into a relationship with God. Now God's going to begin changing you and he's going to challenge you and he is going to he's going to disrupt your life for the better. But it won't feel that way. (laughs) Not at the moment. Um. Instead, we, uh, the word that we found, the phrase, uh, is Moses' response, who am I? You know, who am I to be the guy that goes? And again, we see this identity crisis. And Moses lays out a multitude of arguments. And over and over we see this continuation of God's grace being given, God's grace being provided. And what's really interesting is, is that in the midst of all of this, Questioning and refusal. The one time that God gets angry is the one time where Moses just says, I don't want to go send someone else. Um, we spent, you know, that idea that God is not looking for, and I'm using this actually for, as a reference, I heard someone else say it this way, but God does not care about our accomplishments and our, um, prerequisites, if you will. God is more interested in our availability. I use this phrase, it's a popular phrase in athletics, but the greatest ability is always availability. Moses was not wanting to make himself available to God. That was that was what it was coming down to. Um, as we move into kind of this next week's passage leading up to it, one of the interesting things is that we looked in our passage and and it talks about the, the section where Moses tells God that I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm, I'm thick in tongue or I, I have a, uh, and it's often considered, that passage is often considered where Moses is essentially saying, I have a speech impediment. And, and a quick gloss over that might concur in that, but it is good to remember that Moses was given the best education in the world at that time. Uh, the best the highest of the highest education, uh, surely they would have trained him uh, out of any of those things, or at least worked around it. So uh, if you take that passage, um, and particularly the, the, the thick thickened tongue, it actually takes you, and, and you look through the Bible, like, all right, where does this show up again? It shows up again in one other place, and that's in Ezekiel 3.5, where God is actually referring to another language. And if you go back and look, that word tongue is also the same word as language. So what we see here is that we're reminded once again that Moses does not feel like he is a Hebrew. He does not feel like he belongs to the family of the Israelites because he can't even speak their language. And this is a wild thought for most of us because it's not the. It does. It's there, but it just. It feels like we've never heard it expressed that way or wrapped in that way. But we, it makes much more sense. It ties the story together better, because it, it makes more sense why he would bring up that argument and why Aaron is such a vital part. Moses doesn't want to go back to the the Jewish elders because he's not Jewish. He's not an Israelite. He doesn't. How is he supposed to talk to these people who've already rejected him, the ones who know him? They might recognize him as the Pharaoh's son again. Imagine the ridicule he must have gotten as a child. I mean, think about it. Even, you know, today, if children who, are, who have a different anything, you know, um, are quickly pointed out, um, can often be ostracized, can often be bullied. You know, everything from glasses to different skin color to long hair to, you know, no hair to freckles or whatever, like... Um, kids can be cruel like that, but that continues on especially because he would have been picked on by the Egyptians because every little boy would have recognized that you know he had been circumcised and they were not, but then he wouldn't have certainly he would not have belonged to the Hebrews. I mean how would <laughs> how would they have felt walking watching uh, this young, clearly circumcised Israelite child? Being treated as if he was an Egyptian Dressed in Egyptian robes Taught in Egyptian schools Given uh, given all the things that the Egyptians Has including most likely personal Servants who were Israelites So he never really felt There's, there's almost a, an assurity That there's an identity crisis happening With Moses um, And he has to be reminded of these things um, This is just a general For today we'll stop here uh, so we don't get too long but um we'll talk about next time the connections between the exodus story and the ex uh, the connection there between the exodus story and the connection between sodom and gomorrah and how we're going to see god's wrath and god's grace wrapped in the same way um There's some interesting lines that we'd like to connect. And then we're going to move into our next series. Um, We're going to spend a month talking about uh, the family and um, what does it mean to have and try to be and exemplify a godly family. So we're going to be spending some time and hopefully I'll have my my co-host and even maybe some additional hosts joining me then. Um, But until then, I hope you guys find this useful. Um, I hope that you guys will be edified by what you're learning and continue to learn and grow in Christ. Uh, You guys be blessed. Thank you for joining us today on the River's Edge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, check us out on our webpage at www.theriversedge.church.